0: Welcome to Dogs Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. My name is John Bartlett, and I'm your host. Jenny Williams was moving around with her husband, who was serving in the British Army, and she wasn't able to work at that point. She decided to start volunteering to foster and ended up taking in 15 dogs over the years with that foster work. That experience made a big impact on her and led to writing the book, Rescued, Adventures with Down and Out Dogs. She thinks more people should be open to it. And while it can be heartbreaking, it can also have a very positive impact. Jenny, thank you so much for joining us at Dog Save the People. Whereabouts are we speaking to you from today?
1: Hi there, John. Thank you very much for having me on. I'm in dorking surrey england so i am officially a dork
0: okay i was gonna say i've (laughs) never heard of dorking
1: Uh, dorking is a a beautiful market town surrounded by countryside in the uh, surrey hills
0: oh lovely oh that's so great did you grow up with dogs
1: no, I didn't. I wanted a dog from about the age of five, and yeah. I kept on asking my parents, but my parents didn't like dogs, Uh huh. actively didn't like them, and uh, my mum especially was very scared of them.
0: So how did you first come in contact with dogs? And I know uh, we're going to speak about your fostering, but I, I'm just so curious about sort of how this became part of your life.
1: As I say, I always wanted one. I My favorite TV shows when I was a, a kid were Lassie, and um, the littlest yeah. hobos, I don't know if you remember that.
0: No, I don't know that one.
1: The first real dogs I got to know were my then-boyfriend's, now-husband's, family dogs when I was in my early 20s. And I met uh, Kim and Tanny, the current uh, Black Labs.
0: Oh, I love it. I grew up actually with Black Labs as well, and I oh, a soft spot <laughs> for them. They're, they're such loving, loving dogs.
1: absolutely.
0: And so tell me a little bit about how you got involved in fostering, which is such an honourable and wonderful aspect of the whole rescue world.
1: So we discussed getting a dog many times, but we lived in an apartment where we weren't allowed a dog and we both worked full time. We decided it was something that was going to have to wait. My husband, by this point, uh, he's a British Army officer, and in 2010, when we were both 35, he had the opportunity to be posted to the USA as part of a military exchange program.
0: Oh, nice.
1: Fantastic. So we, we jumped at the chance. He gets this wonderful posting to Frederick, Maryland for two oh, years sure. as part of a military exchange. Now, I wasn't actually allowed to work uh, as part of my visa status. I was, I think I was called a dependent alien or something like that. Oh, boy. So we made the decision that I would take a career break from my job. As I'm not the kind of person to sit around and do nothing, I thought, well, I'll try and find some really interesting volunteer work to do for a couple of years. top of my list was dogs. Very early on, we discovered that we only lived five minutes away from Frederick County Animal Control, the county shelter. And one of Steve's new colleagues told us about the dog fostering programme. Now, I assumed you had to be an expert to do something like that. But I went in and uh, applied anyway. And a very lovely animal control officer came to the house to visit us. And I was incredibly nervous, convinced her that despite the fact I was a complete beginner and a complete novice, I had some kind of ability. So she recommended us very highly. And a few days later, I got my first foster dog, Hank, at the age of 35. So I had to wait 30 years for my first dog. They thought I did really well. So he was the first of 15.
0: (laughs) Wow, that's incredible. So I know that they're all special in their own way, but any dogs, foster dogs, that really stick out in your mind?
1: You're absolutely right. They're all hugely special. And uh, I would have any of them back in a heartbeat. Of the 15 dogs, 12 were puppies. And puppies are are difficult in their own way, but in terms of their psychology, they're they're quite straightforward. They need taking out for potty breaks, and they need feeding, and they need love. The two who really stand out for me, which really reinforced the dog human bond, were Sam the Beagle and Jess the Husky. Sam was my third foster dog, and he was a, a beagle about two years old. Sam was on the verge of being euthanized because he was so he'd been abused, he was terrified of people. He would cower in the back of his kennel. He was very unlikely to be adopted, um, displaying that behavior because nobody really wants a dog that terrified. A very experienced foster carer had taken him home and tried her best but she was really gracious enough to admit that she wasn't making any progress she actually thought she maybe reminded him of someone because he seemed actively scared of her before sam i'd had hank and i'd had a puppy for a few days so i really was the last resort the scraping of the bottom of the barrel option (laughs) and they asked me but because i was at home all day because i didn't work they they thought i might have more luck with sam They thought he would take months of work. After two and a half weeks, we thought he was ready. Sam and I just forged this amazing bond. He really showed me what it was like to bring a dog out of their shell, to turn a dog around. And two and a half weeks with me, he was put up for adoption. A family came to visit him that weekend. And uh, he was happily adopted and lived happily ever
0: after. Oh, that's great.
1: And then because of my success, I think with Sam, a couple of months later, I then got asked to foster Jess, who was a husky who'd also been abused. And she really was and is the love of my life, barring my daughter. Mm. My husband knows he comes after Jess. (laughs) She uh, was another dog who was on the verge of being euthanized because of her extreme fear of people. She was refusing to eat in the shelter. She was painfully thin. And they asked me to take her she was the most challenging dog. She, her behaviour stumped a professional behaviourist. We had a husky rescue who got involved after I'd had her about uh, seven months, and they were astonished that we kept her. We had huge adventures with Jess and huge fun and hugely worrying times because her behaviour meant that she had a very low chance of being adopted. But I, I loved her to pieces, and we persevered, and gradually her behaviour changed. And we actually, um, we'd had her about four months and Steve and I were going on a planned vacation. So she went back to the shelter because that, you know, she was still their dog, obviously. They still had legal responsibility. And she actually escaped from a volunteer at the shelter who shouldn't have been walking her, but but disobeyed the rules. And she escaped out of her escape proof harness that I'd bought her. Uh, And she went on the run for four and a half weeks.
0: Oh, my God. And
1: everybody thought she was dead except me. But anyway, I came back from vacation when she'd been missing about a week. And uh, I went searching for her every day, all the places we used to go to walk. We had a report of her somewhere completely different, but not that far away. That was somewhere where her and I went most days. An animal control officer and I went up there and act of God, fate, I don't know what. But she was walking down the drive of this property as we pulled in. and the animal control officer had made me promise to stay in the van and that she would deal with the rescue because she'd never failed to to rescue a dog yet officer Norris got out of the van she said hey Jess Jess turned and sprinted off through the forest and I thought oh we're going to lose her again now Jess had been on my side on the passenger side of the van so I kept my promise I didn't get out but I just wound down the window and went hey Jess it's your Jenny Now, obviously, I'm British, so I have a distinctive accent, but (laughs) she stopped. She turned on a dime and she whirled round because she remembered my voice. And I realized then she'd escaped to find me. She didn't understand that. She didn't understand that we were on vacation, and that we were coming back. And five minutes later, she was back in my arms.
0: Oh, Jenny, that's amazing.
1: Unfortunately, we we couldn't bring her back to the UK. We'd realized that very early on. But she then did get successfully adopted as well. So that was an amazing experience, but but it, it, in between the time she escaped and came back and the time Sal adopted her, she actually uh, knew I was pregnant before I did. Really? It was really strange. I was actually on fertility treatment at the time and um, she'd been acting really strange with me and I took two tests a few days apart because I thought maybe I am because Jess is acting really weird with me and I, I yeah. knew that dogs can sometimes tell uh, and they were both negative. And then one night I had a a, a call from my fertility doctor and she said, I'm I'm ever so sorry, your blood tests show uh, you didn't ovulate this month, so you can't possibly be pregnant. And, you know, we were obviously really devastated and everything. Yes. And then the next morning I just had this phrase going through my mind, trust the dog, trust the dog, trust the dog, because in search and rescue and, you know, police sniffer work and everything, that's their mantra, that if something doesn't make sense, it's the human not understanding, the dog's right trust the dog. So we, we were planning to go out that night and have quite a few beers to drown our right. sorrows. And uh, just something made me take a third test. It was positive And I was pregnant. Wow. With, with all due respect to Walter Reed and that doctor, I'm afraid they were wrong. And Jess, the crazy husky was right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh, what a great story.
1: Yeah, she, she was my canine soulmate.
0: That is beautiful. And I think we're also lucky to have had those. And, and even though they, we don't always have, I mean, in your case, Jess was adopted, which is great, but in sometimes our soulmates pass, but they, they change us. They change us Absolutely.
1: forever. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, I say that at the beginning of the book I, so my daughter Eve uh, was born in 2012 when we returned from the US, but I, I mentioned her in the beginning. To, to explain about her, she was born with a very, very rare chromosome condition and epilepsy, and she's uh, eight and a half now. She's a hilarious, wonderful, life-enhancing, cheeky, naughty little soul, <laughs> but she's, uh, she's non-verbal. She will need lifelong care. She'll never be independent, but um, as I said in the beginning of the book, those dogs changed me. and I, Looking back, I can't think of a better preparation for being Eve's mum than fostering those dogs. Because they taught me so much, all of them taught me so much, but Sam and then especially Jess taught me so much about nonverbal communication. In the early days with Eve, in the very, very dark early, early days when we were coming to terms with her diagnosis, you know, it used to break my heart to think I'll probably never hear my daughter say, I love you, Mm mummy. But Jess never told me she loved me in words. Right. She proved it when five minutes after seeing me, after five and a half weeks, when she'd run away from the shelter, when she'd run away from the people there trying to get her back, you know, she came back to me and me alone.
0: Yeah.
1: And if that's not, I love you, I don't know what is. The same thing with Eve. She can never say to me, I love you, but she shows me every single day in numerous ways.
0: Oh, absolutely. And you actually uh, gave Eve a middle name, Jessica.
1: Absolutely. Her middle name is Jessica (laughs) because... Jess knew she existed before anyone else did and I was scheduled to go on to a much higher dose of the um, fertility drug that I was on and that is dangerous to a a fetus so Jess protected Eve and if that's not worthy of being being named after you I don't know what
0: is. Oh I love it it reminds me of growing up my parents had a black Labrador and named Brandy. And when my sister was born, she's the oldest. Apparently, uh, Brandy would lay underneath my sister's crib oh. uh, whenever my parents were not at home. And she was there to protect her uh, no matter what. And it's such a beautiful image yeah. that uh, our whole family just loves thinking about.
1: We're just meant to be with dogs, aren't we? You know, we've evolved yes. with them over tens of thousands of years. Say in the book that I think dogs made humans who we are and I think they've my dogs made me who I am today. You know? Oh
0: absolutely. Absolutely. So Jenny, tell me about your book Rescued Adventures with Down and Out Dogs.
1: I was really motivated to write it. I wanted to pay tribute to my amazing dogs, to the dog human bond that I'd experienced firsthand and in, in quite unusual circumstances as well, I think. And I wanted to, to talk about the power and the fun and the reward of fostering as well in in the hope that I could encourage other dog lovers to try it because I thought if if just one other dog gets a chance at their forever home as a result of me writing the book, then it it would have been worth it.
0: Now, let's talk about fostering in general because, again, a lot of people have some misconceptions about fostering. People um, are hesitant to become a foster for many different reasons. Can you share a little bit of why you think this is such an important aspect of the rescue world?
1: I think... A lot of people think that fostering might be too sad, that they will uh, miss the dogs. They'll find it too difficult yes. to say goodbye. And that's abs- I have to say, that's absolutely true. I mean, I still yes. think about all my dogs every day, particularly Jess. But what I would say to that is that, firstly, it's really good fun. Secondly, it's really, really rewarding. But, you know, it's if you're really a dog lover, actually, it doesn't have to be about you. Fostering is for the dogs. So I would say feel the heartbreak and do it anyway. Mm. Because fostering saves lives. It's that simple. It can change the world for a dog who's been abused or neglected. And foster care is often the first time in their life that they've experienced love and kindness, which I think all of us dog lovers would say all dogs should experience every single day. But for a rescue dog who's gone into foster care, it's often the first time. And as I said, the moment when you realise you're abused foster dog, loves and trusts you is an incredible moment. And you realize that by you doing something unselfish and having to one day say goodbye to this dog, you know, you've given that dog a second chance at the loving forever home that all dogs deserve. Um, It also means that, you know, the the shelter is able to build a much better picture of the dog's personality and temperament. Exactly. Because you've, you've got all the experience and knowledge of the foster carer, so they can there's a really high chance that their subsequent, you know, home will really succeed, will really be their forever home. And it doesn't just help the dogs either. It helps the shelter or the rescue because it takes the pressure off. But most importantly, and this is this is the amazing thing about foster, I fostered 15 dogs, but I didn't save 15 dogs. I saved 30 because yes. whenever you foster a dog, it frees up space in the shelter for another dog. who may not need the one-on-one attention of fostering, but who does need a forever home. So when you foster one dog, you save two lives. As well as the amazing experience of fostering the dogs, they really showed me something profound. They taught me that when you care for someone vulnerable, you really become the person you're meant to be.
0: Your story is so special to me because I've I've gotten to work in shelters and I've seen the the beauty and the, the incredible contribution that people can make when they're fostering. And my hat is off to you, and to all people who consider fostering. And again, so please tell us where we can find you on social media, and where we can find your book.
1: The book is called "Rescued: Adventures with Down and Out Dogs." It's available on on Amazon either as a paperback or ebook, and it's also free on Kindle Unlimited if you if you have that. Oh, nice. My Twitter is at Jenny W Dog, and it's Jenny with an I, J E N N I at Jenny W Dog. And I'm also on uh, Instagram as at Jenny W. Dog.
0: Good. Jenny, what a pleasure. And thank you again for your time.
1: Thank you and so much. It's been lovely to so talk nice to.
0: speaking with you. I love Jenny's perspective on fostering. I think a lot of people are nervous about the idea of fostering, that they might get too attached to the dog and then be afraid to let them go. But you can still have a very meaningful bond and valuable time with the foster dog even if you have to let them go eventually to their forever home. In fact, not only that, it's a very beautiful and really selfless act. I loved hearing about Jenny's experiences with the dogs that she fostered and how that impacted her to such an extent where she even wrote a book about it. I can't wait to read it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. This show is a production of As It Should Be, a content studio. It's made with the support of our producer and editor, Jack summer special. Thanks to our composer and neighbor, Daniel Lampert for creating the music for the show. You can subscribe to dog. Save the people on Apple podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, please leave a review or rating. You can also follow us on social media. You can also check out the tiny team rescue fund. My foundation at John Enjoy a walk with your dog and make it a great day for both of you.